Welcome to Healthy Habits Happy Moms Radio, where we are all about helping you find balance in food, fitness, and family 365 days a year with your hosts, Jennifer Campbell, Lauren Kosky, and Annie Breeze. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Moms Radio. I am your host, Annie Breeze, and I am flying solo today. Jen is out and Lauren had a baby, baby boy Benny, so she's taking some time to recover. But I do have a very special guest today on a topic that honestly I know very little about, but her name is Amanda Thieb. She is originally from Canada and now living in Houston, but let me tell you, she is a force of nature for women who are experiencing menopause hell and want to start feeling healthy and fit in their 40s and beyond. Through her very frank articles, hilarious social media posts, and inspirational and entertaining talks, she's here to help you find the tools to have more energy and zest for life while making you laugh like a 20-year-old throughout the process. You might know her on Instagram and Facebook as Fit and Chips. But Amanda, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Annie. Thank you for having me on the show. So just to add to that, I'm originally from England via Canada and now in Houston, just in case the accent confuses anybody. Thank you for clarifying. I appreciate that. (laughs) So how are you? Are you doing well? I am doing well and I'm very happy to be on the show. Thank you for asking me. I'm very excited to talk about this very unsexy, unpopular topic. (laughs) <laughs> but we yeah. need to talk about it. We do. And um, we Healthy Habits Happy Moms community kind of prides themselves on talking about things that people maybe don't want to talk about, or it might be a little bit uncomfortable or taboo, or like you said, it's just not sexy to talk about menopause. But you know, if you're a female and it's going to probably come bite you at some point. So Amanda, you are a personal trainer, but I'm curious, how did you get so interested in this topic of menopause and perimenopause as a trainer and how it pertains to women and their training and their nutrition? How did, how did that come about? So yes, I'm a personal trainer. I've been in the industry for probably 20 years now, so I'm a bit of a veteran. I started my my personal training um, in the United Kingdom, then I took it to Canada, but it was always my passion or secondary career. I actually am a, I worked for IBM and was a graphic designer too, so that's my like career background, but I really um, started to take an interest in Um, the menopause side of things when I entered my 40s. So I started doing personal training and group fitness um, for all of the mums at school who are in my age group. And I I started to realize that the exercise side of things came pretty naturally to me and even the coaching because I'd done that for some time. But I was coming across women that were experiencing symptoms that I just didn't recognize or couldn't fully understand. Um, and so I just carried on training regardless. And when they said, oh, I'm menopausing and I don't feel great, I was embarrassingly now a little bit flippant and wouldn't say things like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Just work out. You'll feel great afterwards. Because I didn't truly understand what they were talking about. And then I hit um, perimenopause and then it all became very clear and I had a, I have a crazy story that would take forever to tell you but basically it impacted me very hard I felt like I'd been hit with a sledgehammer so I started digging around and asking experts and trying to find out what was going on and it truly was ridiculous to try and find information and it took me about a year and a half after having numerous tests at hospitals for, for various symptoms that I was experiencing to be told by my gynecologist during my routine check that I was um, experiencing perimenopause and it just a light bulb went off and I thought you know what it all makes sense and everything I've ever heard women talking about is true and we just don't know we just don't know anything about it or it's not easy to access and find and so I just decided that if I couldn't find out the information and I'm dig- deep into the industry and I know all of these people, how must the rest of the women out there feel? Like nobody's talking about it. So right. that's where it came from. 
Right. Well, that's uh, what really surprised me when I was just rereading your story that it took you a year and a half to figure out this, that initially you were like, oh, I'm just getting sick or I'm getting the flu or a cold. And because uh, the symptoms are really kind of vague, like they're not like, oh, this is clearly perimenopause. This is clearly menopause. Um, but it took you a while. So that must have been frustrating. Yeah. I mean, my, my symptoms were obviously individual to me. And that's one of the things I've realized, right? Is, and we can talk about the type of symptoms that women might experience because it might make sense to them. But um, my particular issues were with migraines, but I didn't know they were migraines because I had um, the ocular one, so a migraine with an aura. So it completely affected my vision and my ability to actually even stand up straight. I had incredible vertigo and um, memory loss and and even down to the point where I would lose feeling in my hands and my face and it was quite scary so I was seeing a neurologist I was seeing an ENT for vertigo issues I saw vestibular rehabilitation therapist and nothing seemed to work um, until I had blood work done by my gynecologist and he basically like is my hero because <laughs> <laughs> He told me I wasn't going crazy and that was, I just wanted somebody to listen to me and tell me what was happening and it was so frustrating that I couldn't get the information but as soon as I had the information, well then it just opened up so many doors and it just made sense. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about the signs and symptoms maybe women um, can expect but like I said at the beginning here, I really know very little about menopause, which I'm, I'm 34. This is a topic that I really should know about. Um, and one of the things that you talk about are the stages of menopause, which I didn't even know existed. And there are three, correct? The first one being perimenopause. Am I saying that correctly? You are. So let's go through the three stages because it will make things easier for let's, you. And yes, let's do that. And now turning this down to your readers and sort of making it relevant to them um, before I explain this is know that these symptoms can start as early as in your early 30s to 35. Like it's things, things can start changing then that you might not expect to be perimenopause, but chances are they're a sign of it. Um, another thing as well is a lot of your mums may be having children in their 40s so maybe experiencing the shock and the joy of having a newborn <laughs> but then may also be having perimenopausal symptoms so that can be a little bit of a I was going to swear then but I'm trying to be <laughs> well behaved <laughs> it can be very inappropriate yeah we did we, when we started this podcast we had to do uh we had to label it as clean or explicit lyrics and if you know Jen Lauren and I you know that we swear frequently but we decided to go with the clean label because we had, know we have so many moms probably listening yeah. with their children within earshot so <laughs> I, yeah. I i appreciate it and i'm sure okay. you guys do too okay so okay. take us take us through let's start with let's start at the beginning let's talk about perimenopause what what is that what are the signs and symptoms tell me so we talk about menopause as one whole thing, but in reality, it's really the menopause transition because we have three definitive stages. The first stage is perimenopause, and this is the most confusing stage for women because there is no definitive sign that you are experiencing this until you're deep in it. Now, perimenopause means um, in general, around menopause, and it refers to the time when your body is starting to make that natural transition to menopause. Basically, it's the time when your ovaries will stop producing eggs so that you no longer have children. So it's a natural stage that has to happen, but it doesn't happen slowly. It can take up to 10 years. The average, they say, is eight to 10 years. Wow. Um, they can still have their period during this phase. They can still get pregnant during this phase, but hormonal changes may happen. We then go on to the stage that is known as menopause, even though we give that the, the term for all three, the actual phrase menopause means you have not had your period for 12 months. So from the date of your last period, one year on, you are now in menopause and so 
that tends to happen, it can be in your 40s or 50s, but the average age, and I'm using US statistics here, is about 51. 51. Yeah, moving on, moving on from there is post-menopause. And what there's no definitive um, timeline on that, but it tends to be when all of the symptoms you experience through menopause start to decrease. And that's things like that migraines, depression, hot flashes, and they can start to decrease. But in addition to that, because you are not producing estrogen anymore, you have additional health concerns that you need to, you need to be aware of, like heart disease and osteoporosis. I might add before I finish talking about the three that although I want to tell you the horrible symptoms that go with this, I also want to give quite a positive spin on this because I don't want people to feel depressed after listening to me speaking. So let's aim for that. Sure. That, yeah. So if you want me to know, I can talk about some of the symptoms that you may experience and you tend to experience these mainly through perimenopause and then into the menopausal phase after you've stopped having a period. Yes, I would love that. And and just on what you just touched on, like, I, I do think menopause just uh, socially, you see it in, um, in the culture and in media and TVs, that it, it is kind of a wah, wah, like sort of depressing stage in a woman's life. But um, at the end here, I want to talk about some of the perks that you've noted in some of your articles, but also that it's just, a, it, this is a natural process for women. And um, hopefully, you know, we can do things to help you cope with the symptoms um, that come along with the various stages of menopause. But um, yeah, I, it's nothing to feel depressed about. It's very natural, right? Yeah, it's a natural phase and um, everyone's going to go through it, of course. But what I think is important is just to have a little bit of an awareness about it because how I have experienced it is that it hasn't only impacted me, it's impacted all of those people around me. So not just, um, I, I actually got depression during menopause. It's the first time in my whole life I've been depressed and it was due to my um, depleted estrogen and that's a normal um, symptom that can happen during that phase. But of course, my depression impacted my husband and it impacted my children who don't recognize their mom. And so I just think if we can start the dialogue now and you have an awareness about it, the chances are you can have some strategies in place, which I know we're going to talk about later, um, to help you and maybe not be impacted by it so greatly. Right. Uh, yes. Um... I completely agree with that. Okay, so yes, let's get back to the signs and symptoms then. So should we start at perimenopause? What, yeah, can, what, what can a woman expect? And I know that it's, it's very individual. Like you said, this is going to look different from woman to woman. Um, but what are some of the signs and symptoms that you might be entering perimenopause? Yeah, and so bear in mind, when I say these symptoms, it doesn't mean you're going to have them. It means that you, you may recognize some of the symptoms and so therefore it may be an indication you are experiencing perimenopause so irregular periods and i, th I think that irregular periods may be one of the first things we notice and irregular being they may be a different um they might be lighter or they may be heavier they, the timing may be different so that's a a, a common symptom and these aren't my um note, notes by the way these are statistics that i'm using Sure, sure. Yeah. So we have incontinence that can occur, and that can be stress incontinence or urinary incontinence, sorry, urge incontinence, depression, um, vaginal dryness or atrophy, yummy. <laughs> it happens. Um, hot flashes, sleep problems, which can range from um, insomnia to complete fatigue mood changes and we all experience mood changes at some time during our um, periods anyway but they seem to be exaggerated a little bit during this time because the disruption of the hormones is so extreme mm -hmm. so we've got weight gain slowing metabolism hair thinning dry skin loss of breast fullness which for me was a little bit frustrating seeing as my fullness wasn't really full to start with but <laughs> enough of me yeah and um, um, cognitive impairment so that often shows itself as short-term memory loss and i know a lot of women 
think that they're experiencing some stage of dementia or Alzheimer's, but it's a known, a known thing that people, women go through, I apologize, women go through, where they feel like they're going insane because they literally can't recall words. And there've been multiple studies on this. And the thankful thing about this is it's almost like the brain is going through a rewiring and it will, it will be fine. It's not, you aren't going through dementia. You know, it's, some of it might be a natural sign of aging that we all experience, but chances are the severity of it won't, it won't, won't persist after menopause. That's really interesting. And, yeah. and, and you personally experienced that, correct? I still do. That's why I keep tripping over my words now. It's crazy, but it's a fact. And so, you know, you're seeing the human element of menopause right now. A couple of other things that women might experience are, as well as hot flashes, there are night sweats, which are that feel a little bit different, but I think are caused by the same, the same symptoms. Migraines, I've, I've said fatigue and memory loss. I actually say that twice because it's funny. I forgot it the first time. But anyway, so there is a list that could go on forever and ever, but these seem to be some of the most common um, symptoms. And, and then lastly, to finish it off, um, sex drive can be impacted as well. So libido seems to be an issue sure. as well. Okay, so just just to recap, that those are the signs and symptoms of perimenopause, which um, you said in, in the beginning, a little bit earlier, can last up to eight years. Eight to ten years is the average. And um, you can ex- women can start experiencing those signs and symptoms as early as thirty to thirty-five. Is that correct? I think they say the average age is 35. Like the, the, the age range for the whole thing is 35 to 55 on average, yeah. And so these symptoms tend to be exaggerated during perimenopause when your hormones are in complete disorder. Sure. They, and- may, they may exist during menopause, which if you remember is the 12 month where you haven't had a period and tend to die off during post-menopause when you're completely out of the woods. That's the, that's the common. So um, let me ask you this, Amanda, and I'm not even sure if, um, if you'll be able to answer this, but I'm listening to these symptoms and they sound a lot like postpartum symptoms too. They've sound, there's a lot, it seems to be a lot of overlap or things that I've experienced postpartum. How does a woman know if, if you're giving birth still into your thirties, um, how does a woman know if this is just some lingering postpartum symptoms or is it, am I entering perimenopause and do I need to do anything differently based off of that answer? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. To all <laughs> okay. of those questions. So ha, I'm not a, I'm not a medical spokesperson or a specialist, so I need to be very careful how I say this, but what I would suggest you do is we've, both had children and we know that our bodies do take time to adjust after having children. So you just need to be um, aware that chances are you are going through postpartum symptoms. Well, you will be after you've had a child. And so there's that natural um, stage after having a child when it starts to feel like you're getting yourself back to normal. It's usually about a year, isn't it, that we feel our bodies are starting to make sense again and maybe our hormones are settling and our periods have maybe come back. I would suggest after you've given it enough time after having the child, if things still aren't settled down, you go and speak to a gynecologist or an endocrinologist and go and have some blood work done because when you are entering perimenopause, if you feel after having the child that you aren't back to where you were and something's still not right or still not normal, then I would go and get some blood work done because there are specific blood tests that can be done that can identify your hormone levels and identify if you are in perimenopause. So it's not just a guessing game. The doctor can identify it for you. I think that's, that's really, that sounds like really good advice because yeah. like I said, as I'm listening to some of these, I've experienced a lot of those yeah. signs and symptoms, but they're, I'm guessing they were due to, to postpartum, um, not perimenopause. Now, the only, the only symptom that I was not familiar with was vaginal atrophy. What is that? 
<laughs> so estrogen in your body helps produce collagen. So that nice elastic vagina that we've got that bounces back into place um, can start to dry and it can start to not feel as strong. And by not feel as strong, what can happen is the estrogen also can affect the urinary tract. So that whole area, if it's experiencing a loss of estrogen, can start to weaken slightly. Okay. So it can mean that sex becomes a little bit uncomfortable or even painful. And that can be because um, you get a little bit dry as well. So lubricants and things probably need to be used at that stage. Um, and incontinence can happen as well. Now, the problem with incontinence is it can be factored by so many things. And you being an expert in postpartum fitness, understand this. If we're not fully recovered from our pregnancies and we may have diastasis or not fully functioning core, you know, if the four areas, I don't know if you call them the core four too, you know, if all of the pelvic floor with the core muscles aren't working together and in sync, then the chances are during menopause is you, you may experience some incontinence. And, and that's one of those subjects that nobody wants to talk about. Right. It's, so, it's so embarrassing and it can happen when you least expect. So the atrophy that happens because of the, lo the loss of estrogen that's happening um, can cause these things. Now, what we can do to help those is I'm not going to talk about the things that medical medically can help you because I do believe there's estrogen creams and other medicines that can maybe aid your recovery. But things that we can do um, for ourselves are pelvic floor exercises. So if you are experiencing it, I would say find yourself a good pelvic floor physiotherapist. These women are like, oh, I'm assuming they're women, <laughs> are lifesavers. Um, I mean, I never experienced any incontinence after having my children, and I didn't start perimenopause until 10 years after, and I, I experienced incontinence. I went for a run one day and came back, and I'd peed myself, and I just couldn't hold it in, and it didn't make sense. And, and, and I actually saw a complete pattern with the way my periods were working. So just before my period was due, when my estrogen was at its lowest, and bearing in mind my periods were irregular, so I didn't actually know they were due until they came. But I, I plotted everything. I would have incontinence. It's crazy. Interesting. And just for our listeners, we didn't tell Amanda to say, see a physical therapist for your pelvic floor. That, that was on her own accord. But I'm happy to hear that that was her recommendation because we are telling women that constantly, please go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, if at all possible, because... They're they are so valuable to women, especially women who have given birth um, and apparently are going through menopause. They can be of benefit too. So good, good to know. Um, okay, let's and move I, on. And I'll just, I'll just add to that really quickly and beyond. I mean, I have two stories. I have a friend in France who gave birth to her child and the French healthcare system assigned you a pelvic floor physiotherapist six weeks after birth. It's crazy. So the women are encouraged to have um, the physiotherapy as soon as they've had birth, which I think is wonderful. And then, the, yeah, and then the second side of that is I, uh, um, one of my clients was 70 and was so embarrassed telling me, and yet we had a very open dialogue. So I, I truly understand how difficult this subject is to talk about. I encouraged her to go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist and it's just changed her life she's experienced incontinence for nearly 35 years and couldn't tell anybody so like I'm I obviously I'm not paid because to, to say this because yes. I just believe it's it's in your interest if you're suffering from incontinence to seek out help that truly works and then if you need extra help go and see a medical professional right on well said Okay. okay, let's move on to menopause, signs and symptoms of menopause. Yeah, so that's the list that we've just gone through. So we, I'm, I, everyone experiences their symptoms differently, but if I, any of those things that I mentioned occur in your life, 
then chances are you are experiencing menopause. So, no, sorry. Yeah. And, and this is the stage where you do not have your period for at least a year. Is that correct? So going back, perimenopause and menopause are two separate things. So the perimenopause is when you'll, you'll start experiencing symptoms. Menopause is when your periods have stopped for one year. Okay. But you, you may still have some of the symptoms. They typically tend to be things like the hot flashes because um, obviously you're not going to experience the irregular periods because your periods will, will have stopped. But um, it's just because I've said these symptoms, chances are, you may not experience them. I mean, some women go through it and it doesn't even impact them at all. And I say, oh my gosh, I love you. I wish I was you. Some women have it particularly bad. I mean, who knows how it's going to be for you. But if you, chances are, if you have some information going into it, it should help you be able to cope when the time comes. Sure. Um, while you're talking, while we're on the topic of hot flashes, that was one of, we posted in our, uh, free Facebook group, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms Facebook group. If any of our community members had questions for you prior to this podcast. And one of the questions was, what is a hot flash? How would you describe that? Is it one of those? You'll know it when you have it. Um, what's it's, your experience? You'll know it when you have it. Cause I remember <laughs> when I, I went to my gynecologist and he said, yes, your blood works come back. And it's, um, it says that your, your, your hormone level, says you're in perimenopause. So let me ask you a few questions. If you experienced a hot flash, I was 44 at the time and I was like nearly crying going, no, no. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's almost like this, like the final seal. If you have a hot flash, then it's like, oh my God, I'm so old. And I've entered that stage, but I had, I didn't experience them until last year. And it's the craziest feeling. And it, we call them a hot flush in the UK, but I know you call them a hot flash here. But both of those describe them really well because it comes so quickly, it overwhelms you, and then it disappears. And you literally feel your, it running from your toes up your body to the top of your head, and you burn and sweat. And it's crazy. And then it stops and you go really cold. And, and so for me, at first, I quite liked it because I'm naturally quite a cold person. But one of the things that I found difficult was to, to understand when they were coming. And I've done a little bit of digging around on this. And the first time it happened, my husband was being a bit rude and he told me a joke and I went bright red and I, was, I said to him, I'm not embarrassed. Right? <laughs> I, I was thinking, why am I? all of a sudden bothered by his rude jokes yeah. <laughs> but it really, so the hot flashes um apparently happen because of the um the fluctuating hormones right so that's what that's the reason they they happen but nobody definitively knows why like they there's research being done but there's no one answer to why they're happening they do know that certain things can exaggerate them and make them worse. I think alcohol and caffeine in excess can aggravate them and also stress. So managing your stress levels, your cortisol levels, and then managing your coffee and alcohol intake definitely can reduce them. So this is why I'm saying I'm not going to give anybody answers and say this is going to stop them. It's all, all about strategizing and making things easier. Um, I'm sorry. You said managing coffee and alcohol intake. What's that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you saying to me I can't drink? I'm kidding. I drink. So, I drink so much coffee um, mm. because I enjoy it, um, yeah. not because I'm reliant on it for energy, but I, I do enjoy coffee. So if that, if that, I might have some decisions to make if and when that happens. It depends on each person. I think it's definitely a case of like, um, I don't, I wouldn't suggest anyone doing an elimination diet, but I just think having an awareness. So if, and when you do start having hot flashes, it starts to become more frequent and it can sort of bother people. I mean, you know, like you can start sweating in the middle of a room with people and it can be embarrassing. So I would just like identify what's happening at the time. Were you drinking the night before? Did you have sure. too much coffee on the morning? So I didn't say don't drink them. I'm really good at saying <laughs> manage your expectations yeah. of them. 
that's great advice. Okay, yeah. so then the uh, postmenopause you said is um, kind of everything after that year, correct? Yes, yes. And, and this by then the the symptoms should have passed, or are are there still symptoms that women can experience in postmenopause? Yeah, well, it's difficult to, to actually know because of the, the lack of data out there. But I do have a, a Facebook group purely for menopause. Uh, we call it menopausing so hard. And I asked my clients in there and they, most of them, their main concern is their symptoms have died down somewhat. Some of them may have a couple of symptoms that linger, nothing like they experience in perimenopause. But what they do experience are things like weight gain and um, a little bit of an apathy for life. Sometimes they've got more fatigue than usual. And so these might just be natural signs of aging, but they also may be purely because of the new, the new hormonal structure in their body. Sure. So rather than symptoms, it's more that they need to look at their life in a different way. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a negative. It can be a positive, and that's what I'm hopefully we'll get to by the end of this. Yeah, not good or bad, just different. So um, we'll, we'll be sure to uh, link, if you don't mind, your your Facebook group, so we can um, send women there that would like more information, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into how does this affect, um, or does it affect nutrition and fitness choices for women? Because, uh, I know one of the number one questions, um, was had to do around metabolism. Is it myth or fact that metabolism changes during menopause and, um, you know, how can they mitigate or manage some of the symptoms that would affect their nutrition and fitness? Yeah, so this could be a long answer. So I'm going to do my best to be as succinct as possible. Um, but I'm going to go through a couple of steps anyway. So we know as fitness professionals that after the age of 30, 35, there is a natural decline in our metabolism. That happens to everyone, not just women, men. So as well as the menopause, we're dealing with the body's natural state. And as fitness professionals, we encourage strength training, don't we, Annie? Because we know the benefits of that. Absolutely. So the first thing we need to acknowledge is going into this is that, one, we need to start being a little bit more intelligent in our, with our workouts. We're not in our 20s anymore. We, like doing a thousand burpees may have been cool then, but... To me, I would stop and say to myself, what's the benefit of me doing these thousand burpees? What does my body actually want now? What's the, the most efficient and effective thing that my body needs? So what we do know is that by building lean muscle, we're giving ourselves a head start. So and I know, I know women freak out about the lean muscle, and I'm assuming that you girls have put that one to rest because um, we're not going to get big and bulky with lean muscle. We're going to actually give our body a chance to be future-proof to move moving forward. Right. So by, yeah. So by building lean muscle, we know that um, one, we're obviously giving our body a support structure as you know, so we've got to think of osteoporosis as women moving up, moving uh, aging, I should say. Secondly, we know that muscle is, more metabolically active than fat, which means it burns more calories. So the higher percentage of fat you have, the harder you've got to work, the, the, the less food you need. You know, so as, as soon as you have lean muscle mass, you're already helping yourself as far as um, weight gain and metabolism are going to be impacted moving forward. So we we just know that before we go into menopause, right? Even yeah, even outside the gym, these these are things that help you um, thrive outside the gym. So we're not just talking about lean muscle, having lean muscle mass for gym purposes or to lift weights. I mean, these are things that are just going to help you in your daily activities and well being, right? Yes, and it's empowering to, to be strong. I mean, it actually gives you, it, it gives you a zest for life. It helps you thrive. And, and so a lot of the time people don't know exactly what that means. And, and this isn't the platform right now to do that. And I'm 
pretty sure you ladies have got tons and tons of resources there. But anything that you do now in your training is going to help you moving forward through menopause. Now, you, the, the back to the question you said, is it myth or not myth that our metabolism changes during menopause? And it's funny because I've read a crap ton of articles, most of them from male trainers that say, yeah, ladies, you're just using it as an excuse and you really need to stop doing that because um, you're not going to gain weight during menopause. You just need to be working out harder. And that's, I'm telling you right now, is bull. It's, it's just not true. You're going to be faced with some challenges that don't mean you're going to gain weight, but it just means it's just going to be harder to maintain the weight you've got if that makes sense. <laughs> so, sure. he's, so he's why. So statistics show in America that nine out of 10 women, and it's something like 70% worldwide, because of, obviously of all the varied diets and cultural influ influences, shows that um, these women are expected to gain between 10 and 20 pounds during menopause. Um, and that that can translate to a number of things that can translate to us going up one or two clothes sizes um and that in turn can make us frustrated discouraged um angry that we've gained weight i mean for me um it was very frustrating and the the, the readers or the listeners i should say sorry can't see me but i'm not a very big person and i've never struggled with my weight i've just genetically um had that um, body it's the same as my mom but I put on about 10 pounds and I actually was so surprised and didn't understand how it happened so I completely understand this phenomena but the chances are it's not just one factor that's causing it there's it's a multi-layered um, impact it always is everything it's never just one thing right there's only a number of issues so I thought I'd just list the different factors that might um, resonate to people when they're going through menopause that they can start looking at. Yes, please okay. do. Right. So we know that when we go through menopause, we start producing um, less estrogen from our ovaries. Okay. That's just what menopause is. We're, we're going to they're going to shrivel up into little grapes and die. So, <laughs> but our body still needs estrogen. It needs it moving forward, right? It has to produce it from somewhere. And it produces it from our fat cells. So to move through menopause, we do need to maintain some fat to have normal hormonal health. So we do have to, and that's why women tend not to be as lean as men in general. Okay, so... There's a little bit of an acceptance here that your body may change, okay? And so I think to me that's the, the first thing I had to acknowledge is that maybe I'm not going to look the same as I did before. Sure. But that's okay. Let's just get the mindset, no judgment, just move forward. But of course, too much fat can cause us to health issues that we want to avoid, especially in women, like cardiovascular diseases and obesity. So we do have to be mindful of weight gain as well. So first of all, we're dealing with um, hormonal fluctuations that can deal, um, that can impact our weight gain. We also know that um, because we have um, estrogen in our body, it actually um, helps us cope with stresses. So as soon as we start losing the ability to cope with stress because of our reduced estrogen, then we can, we will we'll start producing more cortisol and likely to become a little bit more insulin resistant. Um, and so, um, so sensitive to sugars, as you've probably explained to your listeners. So that again can lead to weight gain. So again, studies have shown that the impact of estradiol, I can't even say that, estradiol, <laughs> it's a, one of those hard words for me to say, which is basically our most active estrogen. Um, and fat storage, they go hand in hand, right? The, the studies have shown that that's happening. So we might not have the ability to lose weight as quickly as we did and um, pre-menopause, but we still can. We still can manage our weight. It's just chances are it's going to be harder. So we've got 
so we've got stress that's impacting our production uh, sorry we've got um the lot the lack of estrogen that's impacting our production of um fat cells okay and we've also got those um estrogen drops that are impacting our stress levels so we need to start looking at things as not just losing weight but holistically how is everything impacting our weight gain so stress factors which include poor sleep um, negative life effects for example children start leaving home are not wanting as much like i've got teenage kids that don't want me around oh but that can impact us right that can actually yeah and um depression is something that people experience during menopause and that can you know, cause weight gain because we don't care what we eat, you know, like it, I mean, there's so many factors surrounding this, a, a biochemical level that we really need to start, stop looking at it just being about nutrition and start looking at everything as a holistic, as a holistic approach. Yeah. I, I'm so, just, yeah, it's a long answer to a quick question. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think that's great because we talk a lot um, in our community about seasons of life, and like you said, um, not judging this this body or this you know this menopausal body versus you know premenopause. Um, that they're not one's not good or bad or better or worse. That it's just they're different, and this is a different season of life. And you know, I'm I'm listening to you talk, and I'm I'm completely understanding that if someone's, you know, especially if someone's symptomatic and they're going through all these changes, you know, it, it makes sense to me that they're not maybe living their life as they were for a variety of reasons. And, um, it doesn't just come down to keep your mouth shut, suck it up and work harder, uh, as a way to manage weight, your weight. It's, um, I think a little bit of kindness and compassion towards yourself goes a long way. You've just actually hit on the, on the sweet spot there, and that's the next stage I was going to. I think that is probably the most important message. This um, almost normality of no pain, no gain, suck it up, buttercup, all of these idioms that we hear out there are so harmful to women in general, not just menopausal women. I think that self-care it's so impactful. It's literally the thing we need to the thing we need to focus on now in our lives. I mean, I think it was Oprah Winfrey said to has this expression, and it was something I haven't got it at hand, but to quote, it was something. You know, menopause for a lot of women is um, quite a sad phase in their life and almost depressing. But for me, it was a chance to reinvent myself and say, after all these years of caring for other people, now it's time to care for myself. And it, that to me is key because, you know, one of the sort of the side effects of menopause is women start to feel, I call it the invisible phase. Like it's almost like we're not seen or heard. And we get we can get low self-esteem our direction in life might be changing it's really difficult to know what the future leads for us you know like everything we've ever done leading up to this stage may have changed mostly has changed for women like our job situations um especially the children leaving home as well all of these things can impact us greatly and so if you don't take that time out with for some non-judgmental self-care this whole experience is going to be so much more difficult for right. you but if you can just take a step back and just say you know today it's not going to be a good day for me and so I'm actually just not going to do anything I planned on I'm going to sit and watch tv all day and eat chocolate <laughs> and then you know what that's what your body wants and don't push through the pain don't listen to that trainer that sent you, just suck it up and give me 10 more push-ups. That person isn't the person for you at all. They do not understand what you're going through. Right. I think I, it just, it, it breaks my heart that, uh, that a woman could be going through any sort of change, whether it's menopause or postpartum or pregnancy and 
to to think that those might be the messages that she's receiving it's just it's just yucky it just doesn't feel good to me but if that's what you're looking for then i guess i'm the wrong trainer because that just doesn't feel like kindness and love and you know and we say it all the time in our community we take great care of things we love and our bodies are no different ourselves are no different and we do this we we take care of others so well that um it's sad to see some women not able to apply that to themselves, but I think it's a really valuable life skill. It is, and um, I remember speaking to Susan Klein. She, I don't know if you know Susan. She's, do, yep. yeah, she's a brilliant mind, as we know, but she's an expert on women's nutrition. And I spoke to her at length recently, and one of the things that she said to me is that we know is that women lose their confidence in their athletic ability. They also lose their confidence in their ability to do new things and to thrive. And it's just one of those phases in life where for some reason we've forgotten how to take that step. We've forgotten how to step out of our comfort zone slightly and just stress our body just enough to, to find that place where the magic happens. And so I think one of the things that I'm trying to get through to women is, well, in fact, if, if you don't mind, I'll go, I'll start to spin this in a bit more of a positive way because it, it, definitely, it definitely does have its positives. And one of the things I want women to absolutely realize is that, yes, they are still as capable as ever. And yes, they still are as strong as they ever were. They just have to start believing that in themselves again. Well, that's, that's really t Like I got goosebumps when you were saying that, like that's, I find that really encouraging because the aging process is like you said, I mean, it's, it's not always spun in the most positive manner, but, um, that's kind of up for the individual to decide, I guess. And having people like you in the community to put a positive spin on it is, wonderful is needed and valuable and it's wonderful a wonderful asset yeah and and like I said before to you um I feel as though if I can even reach out to trainers especially male trainers I mean I'm telling you when I was 38 I remember the words coming out of my mouth when my client said oh this menopause is killing me I remember saying yeah but it's probably mostly in your head right 38 years old and I just am embarrassed to this day that I just didn't take the time to listen so if you have a trainer that doesn't listen to you then you need to find a new trainer if you have friends or family members that don't listen to you then you need to sit them down and tell them that you need to be heard that your voice is important because that's part of the process if people don't listen to you then you feel more and more invisible every day and, it, and it's not good enough. <laughs> well, no. And I think, um, along with not listening is that pe people aren't talking about it, you know, which is why I'm so happy to have you on the, on the show today, because, um, you know, I, I see more and more women and trainers and even male trainers talking about the importance of proper pre postnatal, um, training, but you don't hear much about menopause and, uh, changes to your training and your nutrition uh in that stage of life so i think you know yes people listening but also more people talking about it like yes yes i'm, I'm going through this no shame no guilt this is a part of life and we're going to talk about it <laughs> and if you don't want to talk about it then you don't have to listen but um i'm not going to be quiet either so yeah, which is and I might yeah, and I might say that you know I've reached out I have reached out to lots of experts, but a lot of trainers, and I've spoken to a bunch of male trainers that didn't fully understand, but were compassionate enough to want to learn. So there's people out there that really do care, and I think that honestly, if we just my kids are like, oh, mom's talking about menopause again. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm obsessed with it. We're always obsessed with the stage of life that we're in, right? Absolutely. But I, I'm, a, I'm sort of obsessed with it as well because I just think that, to, and we'll talk about strategies next, that honestly, if we just even have the same message going out there and have that compassion for the, uh, the women that are going through this, 
then, then our lives are going to be easier, even the males, because think about it. If you're a male trainer, chances are you've got a mother still. You may have a sister. You may eventually have a girlfriend or a wife. If, the more you know about this, the easier your life's going to be. This is going to help you too. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I agree. Um, and just you touched on um, strategies to help women through various stages. What, what would be your top couple recommendations for women? Yeah, I'll, I'll go through those now. So I wonder whether, though, if I could go through the things not to do and then the things to do, because yes. that, might, that might flow a bit better. So it's interesting because as women, if you think about our natural instinct, we put weight on. So what do we do? We work out more and we eat less. Mm -hmm. That's what we do, isn't it? Because we're like, okay, I'll go on the treadmill and run, 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 run. And then I'll just only eat half a lettuce leaf today. And, and it's, it's funny, but I think that's the way our mind goes. And then, of course, we can't maintain that, so we eat more. So, so one of the... So, Four of the things that I noticed um, women do when they start to um, put weight on or experience menopause are they overexercise, um, so they overstress an already stressed out body. They they don't recover enough. Right, because because training exercise is a stress on the body, which I don't think enough people talk about. But okay, um, it. It, it like it is it's even though it might feel good um it literally is an actual stressor on the body so recovery and managing stress kind of go hand in hand which you were i i interrupted but you were it sounds like you were about to touch on recovery well yeah you've just said it that's perfect i mean yes it's a it's a stress on the body a stress that our body wants right so it's the good stress it's the stuff that makes us thrive as we've spoken about but you need to just exercise intelligent. You don't want to over overstress the body. And um, you'll know when that happens. If you're over-exercising and you're going through menopause, you will feel that for days and days to come. And it's not a good place to go. So managing, so, so the, the things that people do, over-exercising, over and then like you said, not resting enough, not adequately recovering. So you're exercising again before your body's had chance to to recover properly mm -hmm. um, um the other thing is avoiding self-care we tend to be caregivers by nature and was often in a squeeze um generation and so the squeeze generation is you know we're still caregivers for our children but then we may be caregivers for our parents too and so you know they, they're more important to us, and so our own self-care tends to be ignored. And, and then, as I mentioned, um, not eating enough, because women think less food will mean losing fat, but because we're sort of in this metabolic disruption anyway, your body just goes, ah, okay, so you don't want me to eat, so I'll just have to build up my fat stores, and, and that tends to sort of make the, the opposite happen, you know? Our, you, you know the fight or flights thing will happen. So going into the things that I think help women, there's, I've got like five, five things. Actually, I'll, I'll add one on six, <laughs> but we've already spoke about one. So six things that can help you strategize, and you can start doing those now, and you probably are if you're listening to this show, because I know you ladies do this. Exercise intelligently. So what does that mean? Your exercise schedule, if you have one, or your strategies should be designed so that you have strength work that builds up the lean muscle, but gives us some metabolic overload. Um, and so but by that, it means um, you can do something that is hard and fast and exhausting, but it doesn't have to go on for a long time. Um, exercise finishes are good for those. You... Um, or moving weights fast, as Jen Sinclair would say. So exercise intelligently, not for too long, but just enough to overload the body. We, um, all of our strength programs, our pre-postnatal and our, um, 
Arms Like Annie strength program has what we call fluff and buff at the end. And they're kind, it's, kind of, it's kind of the same concept. It's uh, circuit style trainings that just kind of get you a little huffy puffy and a little sweaty and they're fun. Um, but pe- women love them. They, they, like to, they like to work hard, but it's not too much. Hopefully it's not too much. It's probably just right. It's like the icing on the cake for them. Yes. Yeah. I love yes. that fluff and buff. My uh, old fitness class is called Buff and Bendy. So, <laughs> great, mind, great minds think alike. Yes. The second strategy would be to practice self-care. I have to say this is the hardest for me because I'm like an energizer bunny. I just, I really struggle to stop. And when I do stop, I sleep. There's no, I just don't find that phase of unwinding and de-stressing easy, but I do try and practice it. So um, I think this is one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, yet we overlook it. Sure. Because we often think it's going to be time consuming or not important enough. So we know though that it's very important as far as that gain is concerned because of our high cortisol levels if we don't manage our stress. So that can come in many forms and I'm not going to go into them too much now, but any mindfulness meditation practice or calm walking will, will um, help in those situations. I personally sit down with a cup of coffee and read a book and that's as still as I get. And I think, I think so many times, um, women get self care. Um, they get wrapped into thinking that it's manicures and pedicures and it's a full day at the spa. And it certainly doesn't have to be that it could be a phone call with a friend. It could be, uh, like you said, a 10 minute meditation, a hot bath. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Hot bath. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. A cup of tea, you know, whatever, whatever works. It doesn't have to be a big time commitment or expensive. Yeah, I, I, I think there's so many options out there. you just got to understand you, your own body, and your own mind. Yes. There is, um, I actually can't remember the name of it, but there's a book out there that somebody recommended to me, and it's about, uh, it's like meditating for dummies or something. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, on, med- on meditating hacks, and it's for meditating for people who don't have the time. I bet yes. there's somebody listening to this that, that knows it. But anyway, there's, there's tons of options out there for you. But just even acknowledging that self-care could be part of the puzzle, to me, is step one. Very good. Moving okay. on. Yeah, moving on. Um, adequately resting. So restoration is so important. When we go through menopause, a lot of women experience interrupted sleep. And it can happen quite a lot um, because of night sweats and hot flashes as well. So not being um, against taking a nap, sometimes taking a nap can help, or just taking a day off and do, you know, the list type workouts, the low intensity steady state. That could be a yoga class or riding a bike or a a leisurely swim, but um, just making your body have time to get back to reset, okay? So I think that's super important to do as well. I was totally a six day a week workout person. And now I probably work out like four to five, which is probably most of most people, but I am a fitness professional. So it's what I do, but sure. I, I rest a lot and my body needs it and I have no problem resting anymore. So it's a mindset change. Absolutely. Okay. Number four is nutrition of which I'm not going to go into too much, but it's exactly the same as you, you promote um, with your listeners. So wholesome foods, like making good, healthy choices. Your proteins are going to be your best options with your healthy fats, your complex, complex carbs, you know, your fruit, your vegetables, your grains, if it fits in with your you know, dietary needs. Um, but they are best friends. Um, junk foods and your sugary starches are probably just going to exacerbate things that you don't need, like those spikes in blood sugars. You just don't want them right now. So keeping hydrated and just being mindful. Like I'm not one of these people that promotes um, strict meal plans and rigid strategies. It's just about 
being mindful about your approach to eating and not eating too much and not afraid to being hungry. And I know these are all um, strategies that you ladies promote. So I'm not saying anything yeah. new here. I'm just reaffirming that these are going to work for you. Yeah. Well, to be honest, we're not saying anything new. I mean, these are just mm. the basic good foundations of nutrition that we happen to believe, you know, eating fruits and vegetables and proteins and um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just some sound nutrition advice. Oh, I'm, happy yeah. to, I'm happy to hear that you echo that as your recommendation for coping uh, with symptoms throughout the menopause stage. And I actually do, like, I'm not very strict with myself. You know, I practice moderation like, like I promote, but I do find that if I have a day where I haven't been able to sort of be nutritionally sound with my um, choices, if I'm traveling or that I really feel the impact of that the next day. So um, it's honestly sometimes a little bit easier to do during menopause because you realize when you eat terrible foods, they, they seem to react. Well, they did for me. They reacted um, more than they did prior. And so it's sometimes easy just to make good choices. Like, for example, you're going to die laughing here, but I haven't drank alcohol for a year. No, two years. I can't drink anymore. It just, it just kills me. So one, it's my goal in life to be drunk again. <laughs> What a, what a goal. My goal a little to, tipsy. Yes. <laughs> just, just that sweet spot, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that squif, squiffy, fun person that sometimes I can be. So. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love and it. Then, and then the last two strategies, um, moving on, uh, I, I can sort of lump together. And, and I want women to know that this is just a phase in their life. And... The, the, the Chinese call it the second spring. And it's just a chance for you to sort of rebirth and reinvent yourself. So think about that. So when you're going through this, if you've put weight on and if your body's changed composition, if you've like physically changed shape and don't recognize yourself, then you know that there's strategies in place that you can do, but play that long game. Don't be in a hurry. Anything that you do that's going to be a quick fix, if you see something that's going to tell you that you're going to fix your body in six weeks, know that that truly isn't going to help you, that you need to just start making changes now that are going to last you till the day you die, basically. You've got to just start looking ahead. So that, to me, is huge. And then that is also easier if you find a community that helps you make that work and makes it successful. So for you... You've got all your mums there. They, you support each other. You know, you, it's a group where it's open and it's non-judgmental and you can share. And that's what's going to help a woman through a me the menopause phase. So I told you I have my Facebook group. You can share that if you want to, if someone finds it useful. But what else can help is, you know, talk to a friend who's going through the same thing. Like, don't be afraid to have the dialogue because as soon as I did, then women couldn't stop talking about it. Yes. So, so. Those, what, what great, great suggestions, Amanda. So let me just recap. Yeah. Exercise intelligently, self-care, don't avoid it, rest, proper nutrition. Remember that this is a phase slash play the long game. I love that. Play the long game um, and find a community. What wonderful suggestions for tools and strategies to help women navigate this phase of life. I think those are just wonderful. Yeah. And honestly, and, and just, and just tell yourself every day that you can do it because you definitely can. And I mean, there's days when I don't feel like I, I've got it in me just to like get through the day, but now I can just say to myself, you know what? Okay, that's fine. Tomorrow's another day and chances are I won't do as much that day and I will feel fine the next day. So yeah, like moving forward, you are capable. Yes, you are still strong. And yes, you can still do all the things you did before, but just believe that you can. Like give yourself the chance to, to move forward and don't just believe that this is the end of the road for you. So yeah, it's just a yeah. different road. Yeah. And a chance to be awesome again. Like again, again, you are still awesome. I didn't mean it that way, but a chance for you to just show the world that you are awesome. For me, once I went through all of those steps, I've always been a very confident person, but I did feel lost. 
and quite alone and lonely for a number of years. And then as soon as I just started like just looking at this face on and saying, you know what, I can do this then, I just feel like now I've got a new purpose. And, and, and that's the thing that I want women to take away from this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, um, you know, and I don't, I can't speak to it as I haven't been through it yet, but, um, I think I would, I would assume it's okay to kind of go through a grieving morning stage. Maybe if you're kind of, as you pass through it, you know, like maybe just reflecting on, um, your time, your childbearing years or whatnot, and, and just kind of mentally prepare yourself to, to take the next stage on with grace and compassion. I think that a lot of women do feel that. That wasn't something I personally um, felt, but um, that's because my husband made me have children. I'm very glad we did, but you know, <laughs> I'm not one of the women that was really maternal until I had my own children. Me either. So, I, told that to yeah. me. I totally get that. Yeah, but the, when I've spoken to many women about this, it, it, there is a, a sense of grief, and I think that that can add to the anxiety and depression that women feel through menopause and um, one woman said she actually wrote a letter to her old self and sort of said goodbye, you know, almost like divorcing herself from that stage of her life and just letting go and do whatever it takes for you to do to get through this. If you have to go and seek help and speak to someone to help you grieve through it, then that's a totally acceptable method to, to deal with, you know, the changes that your body's putting you through. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, you, you have just been a wealth of knowledge for this show today and given us such great recommendations. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your knowledge with us today, Amanda. Thank you so much. Annie, I am super happy to be on the show and I just, I'm so happy to have the platform to be able to talk about this. And like I said, it's not sexy and it's not fun, but I just think it's just so important to get the dialogue going. So I truly appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. And we will be sure to link your group um, in the show notes as well as our blog post so women can join if they would like more support and information. If you like what you heard today, I invite you to check out our free 30-minute workshop where Jennifer Lauren and I discuss how to reach your goals without dieting extremes and how to have fun while you get there, which you can find at balance365.co. That's B-A-L-A-N-C-E 365.co, as well as join nearly 30,000 women across the globe in our free Facebook community at Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. And if you really like what you heard today, be sure to give it a review on iTunes so we can keep bringing you amazing content. Thanks, everyone.